0: From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even post-season glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to Dallasnews.com slash sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello, hello, welcome to Mavs Daily, where every day we're breaking a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Carella. Once again, this is going to be a solo one. I'm recording this on Saturday night. Uh, By the time I got home on Friday after the game, it was already very, very late, and there was really nothing productive to say um, because the Mavs lost, and it was what it was. We witnessed an all-time great performance by Kawhi Leonard. He had 45 points, including, I believe, 29 of them in the second half on only 14 shots, I want to say, and he was guarding Luka Doncic for the entire game. And so Kawhi, you know, on a night when when no one really on either team, outside of Tim Hardaway Jr. for stretches and Luka in the first quarter, and I guess Reggie Jackson in the first quarter as well, I mean, Kawhi was the only constant. All those other guys were up and down and everybody else on both teams pretty much just down. It was a it was a pretty poor offensive showing by both teams, but Kawhi was able to rise above it and deliver just an all-time performance and uh he was able to save the Clipper season. And so now here we sit on the eve of game 7. It's going to be 2:30 Dallas time, 12:30 local time tip. And so these teams are not going to have a lot of rest. They're not going to have had much or any time to work on things on the floor. You know, they could watch some tape, maybe go through some walkthroughs and things like that. But for the most part, these guys are just going to have to dig deep and and roll the ball out again and play. I mean, it's it's basically a back-to-back almost between game six and game seven. And by the end of that game, I mean, you could see it. The Mavs' jump shots were short and the Clippers were committing a lot of very, very silly turnovers. Both of these teams just look exhausted. I mean we had Ty Lu in game five. He admitted Kawhi got tired. And in game six, you know, Lucas started great. And then after that, you know, he had a really tough time getting into the paint. You know, Dallas took forty five shots in the paint for the game, but a lot of those were Bobon. You know, Porzingis had some, Hardaway had some, Jalen Brunson was getting to the rim. You know, but the Clippers You know, they were just trying to keep Luka from shooting and they were trying to wear him down. You know, they had Kawhi guarding him and basically every time they set a screen, they were sending a second guy. And, you know, Kawhi, I don't know where he found the energy to play the way he did on defense and on offense, but we'll see if he can do it again. If if he falls off (laughs) 5% from the other night, then Dallas is going to be in a position to win. If Dallas shoots better, Dallas will be in a position to win. That's the thing. That game... A 104 final could have gone either way for about 43 and a half minutes. And then the Clippers just, it was mostly Kawhi, just hit some shots late and that was it. You know, no one could make anything. And so all of that is to set the stage for what is going to be just a grueling battle of attrition in game seven. You know, the, the team that has more energy, the team that has more legs could win. Um, and I don't mean legs as in like get out and run. You know, neither of these teams want to play fast. We've seen that now for six games. This is a half-court series. I'm talking shooters. Uh, which team shooters are going to be able to get lift on the ball and hit some shots? Um, is Kawhi or is Luca going to be quicker off the bounce? You know, those are the only two guys in this series, outside of Paul George, every now and then, that are able to get to the rim and. You know, Kawhi got tired in game five, and Dallas blew the doors off the Clippers in the second half. Luka, I don't know if he got tired. I don't know if if the the defense was just, you know, kind of um, uh, neutralizing him a little bit because they were sending so much attention his way. But he wasn't as effective in the second half, and the Clippers blew the doors off the maps. frankly. It was 67-60 Dallas midway through the third. And then um, Dallas only scored, I believe, six points in the final seven minutes of the second quarter and then in the third quarter they were leading 67-60 and the Clippers went on like an 11-2 run to take the lead. And then in the fourth quarter Kawhi was able to go on a – I think it was a personal 8-0 run kind of to, to, to put the dagger uh, in Dallas' side. And so anyway, you know, we, we see what happens here. With If one team star drops off at all, the other team is going to win comfortably. And that's been the story of the series because – you know, Luka and Kawhi have pretty consistently been excellent. The, the games where they haven't, their team has lost. And in every other game this series, it's come down to who can step up and have a big game. Reggie Jackson scored 25 points for the Clippers in Game 5. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith scored 18 points in Game 1. KP scored uh, 20 points in Game 2. You know, Tim Hardaway and Paul George have been pretty consistently upper teens, lower 20s. It's who else can step up who's the third guy on either team Marcus Morris hit some shots in game three Uh, Rondo was awesome in game four you know who is going to step up from one of these teams in a game seven Um, it's it's a one-game series now and I'm not trying to throw out all these sports truisms and cliches and all that stuff these platitudes because like this series is much more complicated than just who wants it more and who can step up but that's what a game seven is You know, Dallas hasn't had a Game 7 since 2014 against the Spurs. That was a 1-8 series. And the Mavs were able to, they were up 2-1. The Spurs won the next two games, so the Mavs were down 3-2. They won Game 6 at home. Very close game. And the Spurs basically changed up their entire game plan in Game 7. They were running a lot of, like, side pick and rolls. A lot of two-man game between, like, Tony Parker and Tim Duncan. But then in game seven, they just went high pick and roll, high spread pick and roll with Parker and Ginobili as the ball handler. They were they were moving moving the area with which they were setting the screen kind of to stretch the Mavs' defense a little more. Um, and they were able to, to win very comfortably. Uh, game seven, 2005, and the Mavs played the Rockets, the Mavs just came out with a ton of energy in game seven, and they won by 40. Um, another game seven, game seven, Dallas-San Antonio in 2006, second round. The Mavs jumped off to a 20-something point lead in the first half, and San Antonio came clawing back and actually took the lead with 30 seconds left or whatever it was, and Dirk saved the day with an and-one on the next trip down the floor. And so in a game seven, anything can happen, but here's the one thing that has to happen is that you got to be ready to play because in those three games I was talking about, the Mavs blew the doors off the Rockets, the Spurs blew the doors off the Mavs, and then the Mavs were blowing the doors off the Spurs, and then the Spurs came back and almost won. So anything can happen. Anything can happen. Nothing that happened before matters outside of, you know, tactically and in the information bank that's inside your brain. But now the Mavs know everything the Clippers want to do. The Clippers know everything the Mavs want to do. Uh, so here's what I think is going to happen in game seven. Uh, from the Mavs standpoint, Boban was minus nine in game five. He was plus five in game six. I wouldn't be surprised if he's your starter again in Game 7, uh, with a potential quick trigger if the Clippers start hitting some threes. Um, the Mavs showed in Game 6 that when when it's Collie Stein out there, even if it's Dwight out there, they're going to play uh, man. They're not going to play zone. They're only playing zone if Boban's out there. Uh, sometimes Dwight, but Dwight's not getting many minutes. That could be the other adjustment. Maybe Powell starts instead of Boban, um, but you keep the Boban play in your back pocket because the zone has been effective in the last two games. It uh, just has been. And and most importantly, the zone has kept Rondo off the floor. Rondo has been a complete non-factor in the last two games after being very good in games three and four whenever the Mavs are playing man-to-man. But in the zone, he's not a shooter. He doesn't want to do that. You know, he wants to make decisions in an off-balance court. You're not going to get that in the zone. And so Rondo has been neutralized. They're going with Reggie Jackson more. And so, you know, if, if, if Boban's not starting – what does that mean for Rondo? What does that mean for the defense and all that stuff? So anyway, that's one thing uh, to watch. On offense, regardless of who starts at center, if the Clippers are going to commit to double-teaming Luka off every single pick and roll the way they did in Game 5, the Mavs have they, – well, they now know. They now can anticipate that's going to happen, but they have to be ready for that. There were so many times in Game 5 where, you know, it would be Finney Smith or Hardaway or Kleba or Boban or Powell – Uh, that would come set the screen and Luca would give them the ball because there's two guys on Luca, and they would just hesitate. They wouldn't know, should I shoot? Should I put the ball on the floor, attack the rim? Should I look for a pass? If so, am I going to the corner? Am I going to the wing? Am I resetting going back to Luca? They have to be ready for this. The Clippers were voluntarily playing three on four for an entire game. Dallas was able to beat them a few times, but they weren't able to do it enough. They were not able to do it enough. And so the Clippers, if they're going to continue defending Luka that way, especially with Kawhi, there's a couple ways to beat it. First off, you can use Tim Hardaway Jr. as a screener all the time because if Hardaway catches, he's going to shoot. You do not have to worry about Tim Hardaway taking a jump shot. He is more than ready to shoot at a moment's notice, and if they leave him open, he will more than likely make those shots. And he can also, if there's a closeout coming but it's sloppy or late, he can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. He can make simple reads as well, uh, passing. And so Hardaway is a very dynamic pick-and-pop partner for Luka. Uh, Secondarily, if they're going to put Kawhi on Luka at the start of a play and they're going to double-team him, Porzingis, Kristaps Porzingis can be the screener for Luka. I think a big reason why he's been more of a spot-up shooter throughout this series is because for long stretches of games, in fact, for some entire games, the Clippers were putting Kawhi on Porzingis. But now that Kawhi's on Luka... And and if if Kawhi's on Porzingis, I mean Porzingis sets a screen for Luka, Kawhi's gonna switch onto Luca, and that kind of nukes the play, makes Luka work hard and all that stuff. But if Kawhi's on Luka, somebody else is on Porzingis. And so if Porzingis sets the screen and they double, Porzingis is gonna be open for three. Or he can cut to the rim, Luca can give it to him, and he can either make a simple pass or shoot himself from five feet, you know, uncontested. If they switch. Kawhi goes on to Porzingis, then all of a sudden Lucas one-on-one against Morris or Batum or Reggie Jackson or Paul George, somebody else that he has a matchup advantage with. He's been able to score at will against all of those guys all series long. The only guy that's given him any trouble at all is Kawhi or two. So that's two things that I think the Mavs can do on offense. Um, And also Dwight Powell we saw whenever the Lakers were sending two at Luke off every screen. Powell was able to make a lot of plays out of the pick and roll. He scored a career high 25 points against the Lakers in that game. And so that could be another adjustment as well, moving away from Boban or going to Powell earlier or, or whatever. Uh, that could be, so that's, I guess, three things the Mavs could do on offense. In addition to just make shots, you know, just make shots. And you'll be good. The Clippers, they make shots. The Mavs are in trouble. They shot 29% from three and still one. So That might not happen again. But Dallas did do a very good job of of preventing uh, corner threes. It was a lot of wing threes, a lot of above-the-break threes, and Kawhi was really the only guy in the second half that was making shots. And in fact, Kawhi and Reggie Jackson were literally the only Clippers, I believe, over a 21-minute span from the second quarter to late in the third quarter to make a field goal. I'll say that again. Kawhi Leonard and Reggie Jackson were the only two clippers to make a shot for almost 24 minutes of game time. But they made a lot of them. And so, you know, I don't know if you give increased attention to Jackson. I don't know if you just hope that he can't do it again. You know, I, I don't know. But I, I'm I'm a fan of Morris and Batum and Rondo not beating you. And so maybe the Mavs do the same exact thing on defense with the zone, with man, and all that stuff. But the other thing, man, if you're playing man and Kawhi is going to hunt Luka in those pick and rolls, you have to find ways to avoid the switch. There were too many times in the fourth quarter whenever Kawhi was trying to put the game away where it would be just this really soft, slow screen and the Mavs would switch. There wasn't really a, a pressing issue. There wasn't a, there wasn't a need to switch. Um, Kawhi wasn't penetrating. The screen wasn't even very hard. Like They were just switching to switch. I don't think you have to do that. Um, and if you don't want to you know, have Finney Smith fight through or Maxi Kleba fight through or whoever's on Kawhi originally fight through. They can just go over the screen um, and then have a hand in the passing lane, fight back. Luka can hedge, you know, show, make Kawhi take a couple dribbles to allow Finney Smith back into the play. And then Luka can retreat to his man. I mean, you don't have to switch those screens. You just You don't have to. Unless you do, in which case, if you do have to, And your Luca or your Porzingis or your someone else that doesn't want to be guarding Kawhi that is, you have to make him work for the shot. You know, ordinarily in the NBA, a 20 footer, you're gonna live with that all day, every day. And you're just gonna, if they make it, cool. The best players shoot about 50% from the mid range. Kawhi in this series is like 60, 70% from the mid range. The Clippers as a team were 12 for 17 on mid range shots in game five. And so you have to you can't let him walk into the jump shot. Get up into him. You know, don't let him blow by you, but just make him work a little harder. A little harder. Just 5-10% harder throughout the entire game on all those shots. And it could pay benefits at the end. Of course, you don't want to foul. Again, you don't want him to blow by you. But you don't want him to get comfortable and just step into those 25-footers, those 21-footers. He was taking threes off the bounce. He was taking mid-rangers off the bounce. You know, Getting all the way to the free throw line unimpeded. Like, you have to make him work a little harder if you're going to switch those screens. So that's something you know. Um, we saw the Clippers try Luke Kennard basically in in, in place of Rondo. Uh, Rondo didn't play a lot, I don't think. Um, Kennard didn't do too much. I could see him playing again in Game Seven, but we'll see. You know, I I don't really know what to expect honestly. I mean, this is this is a this is a very close series. Basically, all of these games, with the exception of Game Four, have come down to like the final couple minutes and so you know I I don't know what to think you know no series in NBA history has been swept by road teams through seven games but we no one has even made it to six games with the road team being undefeated so we're already in uncharted waters Um, you know this is a this is a series unlike really any other I've ever seen it's two players having all-time great series this is an all-time great duel between Kawhi and Luca. They're just they're they're playing another sport compared to the rest of the guys on the floor. But with with timely contributions from Hardaway and Porzingis and Finney Smith, the Mavs have been able to win three. And with consistent production from Reggie Jackson and Paul George, the Clippers have been able to win three. And so now it's who wins this one. You know who wins this one. And like I said, you know it's going to come down to whose legs aren't as heavy, uh, whose other guys step up. Who shoots better from three? Both teams shot very, very poorly from three in game six. If you're the Mavs, that cannot happen again if you want to win. Um, and and simply, I mean, it's going to come down to who fights harder. You know, who fights harder? Can't be missing box outs. Can't be miscommunicating on three. Don't throw lazy passes that they can pick off and take the other way. You know, if they're in the bonus, don't commit a cheap foul 90 feet away from the basket. If they're pump faking you from beyond the three-point line, don't bite on the pump fake. You know, a lot of these games have come down to just a few, like, just, you know, silly mistakes by both teams. You know, and, and Kawhi and Luka are playing at the level where if you commit a silly mistake, they will punish you. The Mavs made too many mistakes last night. You know, don't miss your free throws. If you get to the rim, you got to finish. The Mavs shot 23 of 45 in the paint in game six. That is, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. It has to be closer to 60% than 50. And if it was, they would have won. And so that's the, you know, it's, it's, it's razor, razor thin margins, you know, and who knows, maybe Dallas comes out and just hits their first five threes and they're off to the races and the pressure gets to the Clippers. I have no idea. I mean, I, I understand like the Clippers blew a three, one lead last year, but it just feels like everybody that's watching this series is just like memeing LA and just like waiting for Ty Lue to fall apart, waiting for the Clippers to crumble under pressure. And I'm like, what series are you watching? Ty Lue has been excellent in this series. The Clippers haven't crumbled once, like once they haven't done anything. They're not even taking cheap shots. They're not. They're they're playing great basketball, and a lot of that is because of Kawhi. Like I, you can't just expect the opponent to crumble because in in your mind you think they're soft or something. Like that's not how it works, and that's not the reality of the situation. And you can't think Ty Lue is just gonna, you know, draw question marks on the dry erase board when he's drawing up a play in a timeout, like. He's had a fantastic series. Like you got to give the Clippers a little bit of respect here. At the same time, you know Dallas has pushed them to the limit. You know they've 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 taken them this far, and so I, I don't know. I mean it's it's going to come down to like I said, it's going to come down to legs. Who plays better under pressure? Who plays better under stress? You know, if the Clippers are are making Luca work hard all game, he's got to have some. In this, he's got to have something in the tank for the fourth quarter. You know, his shooting percentage in the fourth quarter of this series has been unfortunately low. Um, he's been fantastic in the first half. He's been really good in the third quarter. But in the fourth quarter of this series, he's shooting in the 30s from the floor. And that's – you can't can't do that. You know, other guys have stepped up in some of these wins. Hardaway, Porzingis, like I said before, Jalen Brunson. But, like, you want your best player to be at their best whenever the game matters, whenever the game is on the line. And, and most of these games, like I said, have come down to the final couple minutes. And so Dallas has to make sure – that with the three minutes left on the clock, they're in a good position to win because you know Kawhi is going to touch the ball every single time. You know he's going to score almost every single time. And if you can't keep up or if you're playing from behind, it's going to be very, very, very tough to win the game. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to say, like, we'll see what the Mavs are made of. We'll see what the Clippers are made of. That's generic BS sports talk and that, that doesn't matter. Like, if... If one team shoots 10 for 40 from three and the other team shoots 15 for 40 from three, does that mean one of the teams is soft and terrible and the the other is great? Or it just means their shots are falling? Like, just make your shots. You know, it's not as simple as a make-or-miss league. It's also not as scientific as just shoot a lot of jump shots. Like, there is some mental toughness, obviously, that goes into basketball, emotional stability, things like that. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you know, this is gonna be a test of their will. We'll see. We'll see if the Mavs are as tough as we think they are, if they're you know, if the Clippers are gonna crumble under pressure because they they feel like they gotta beat title or bust. Like, shut up. That's that's not how this is gonna go. You know? This is gonna come down to like I said, which team is making their shots and also how does Luca handle these double teams? How do the Mavs counter the double teams? Who are they putting out there to screen for him? Because too many possessions died whenever Luka passed the ball to the screener, just too many possessions died in game in game six. You know, you have a four-on-three advantage. You got to take advantage of that. Dallas could have shot fifty percent from three in game six. Their their looks were so wide open, but like you just can't hesitate, can't hesitate. Got to stay confident. Got to keep the ball moving. If it's not there, keep the ball moving. Don't pause. Don't think. Just play. You know. And, and hope that Kawhi has a bad game for once in his freaking life. Just hope it happens. So, anyway, that's the keys to victory. It's, it's been just a, a crazy series. It's been a privilege to watch it, honestly. This has been some really, really high-level basketball, especially from the two stars. And, you know, whatever happens, um, it's not going to change my opinion of either team, honestly. I think the Clippers are one of the five best teams in the NBA. Um, I think the Mavs are right outside of that group. I think that, you know, they're right where they belong in the standings. They're the fifth or sixth best team in the West, uh, depending on, you know, who's wearing a jersey for the Lakers versus a suit. And they're probably the eighth or ninth best team in the NBA. But their ceiling, as we've seen, is very, very, very high. And so it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they beat the Clippers. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if the Clippers beat the Mavs. That's what it that's what this series is supposed to be. It's a seven game series. That's going to a seventh game. Like, both these teams deserve to win. And I just hope, you know, obviously I'm a Mavs guy. I hope that the Mavs play like they deserve to win, and I hope they don't play like they deserve to lose. You know, it would you don't want to lay an egg. You know, it would it would be a bummer for the season to end on a on a very low note. Um, just as it would be awesome if they won. It would be it would suck if they lost on a buzzer beater. It'd be great if they won by 40. It'd be great if they won by one. You know, it it doesn't matter. You you win, you go on. You lose, you go home. And and frankly, like, you know, this is peak sports uh, theater. You know, the entire country will be watching this game. So it's going to be awesome. But again, don't let it change your opinion of anything. You know, like I said, we've had six games of data to know what works, what doesn't. Who's good, who isn't who's slumping, who's hot, you know, the, nothing nothing new is going to happen. You know, someone could step up, KP could drop 30, Kawhi could have a bad game. Like something new could happen. Maybe Marcus Morris scores 25. I have no idea. Unsung heroes emerge all the time. But both these teams know everything about the other. We know everything about both these teams within reason. And so, you know, just sit back and enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy it. This is Luca's first game seven in his NBA career. But uh, I just want to point out that he's been in a lot of winter go home games, both inter- uh, internationally, you know, with Real Madrid um, in the Euro League, and then also in EuroBasket with Slovenia. They went nine and zero in that um, in that tournament. Slovenia did, and I believe their last four games were all do or die, maybe even their last five. I don't remember. And so, you know, he steps up in big games, but. You know, we'll see we'll see how many other guys do too I you know I hope it's I hope it's 15 but we'll see. it's been a great series's been a fun ride and win or lose I will uh, record another podcast after the game at some point either on Sunday night or on Monday kind of a post-mortem uh, one way or the other you know celebration party if they win and then a uh, man this is a bummer what the heck went wrong if they don't hopefully it's the former and not the latter but either way, We will be back with you again after Game 7 on Mavs Daily. We'll talk to you then. See ya.